Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Storytime is sponsored by BetterHelp. Nearly everyone at some point in their life will struggle with their mental health, whether that's something stressful at work, in a personal relationship, or something else. I know that I really struggled with anxiety in my early 20s, and therapy was a massive help for me. That's why I'm a massive fan of therapy, and today's sponsor, BetterHelp. If there is anything in your life, big or small, that is negatively affecting you, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. It's an online therapy service that after finishing a small questionnaire will match you with a licensed therapist where you can book appointments that match up with your schedule at any place or any time. And if you feel like you're not bonding with your therapist, you can switch at any point for free. Also, therapy isn't just if you're struggling with mental health. If you're looking for guidance or ways to improve your social skills, life, or relationships, it's a great judgment-free way of doing that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com StorytimePod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash StorytimePod. Don't mess with a cook, or you might get some food-based malicious compliance. We'll get to that in a bit, but first, you want to prioritize speed over not overwhelming the end of the line? Got it. So this happened about three years ago at the crappiest job I've ever worked. It was a fish factory, which also sold French toast and onion rings. Anyone who's ever worked in a factory knows that the machines there are prone to breaking down and messing up their one job. Factories are also notoriously understaffed and overworked. This job was no different. This story takes place on the onion ring line. At the front of the factory, frozen onion rings were stuffed into bags which were stuffed into boxes. My job was to shove both of these rock-solid rings down so the top of the box would be flat when they went through the tape machine and keep the line moving as fast as possible. That tape machine sucked and was constantly getting stuck on itself, which led to backups since stopping the line was never an option. At the very end of the line was one person doing the job of three people. He had to stack tall 9-pound boxes as they came on a wooden pallets while also wrapping it up with saran wrap and preparing the next pallet as needed. The end of the line had room for about four boxes before it would jam up the tape machine. I could see the end of the line from where I was standing, so I knew when it was getting backed up. Now onto the malicious compliance. One day, I was keeping an eye on the number of boxes that was stacking up at the end of the line. This just meant that I was taking one or two off the line to keep it moving, 
and reduced the amount I was sending at once. I wasn't putting them on the ground, just off to the side on the conveyor belt. They were off to the side for maybe a minute or two before I sent them. This strategy gave the guy stacking boxes a little bit of a break and kept the tape machine from getting overwhelmed. A win-win situation, right? Wrong. My line lead came over after a while and asked what I was doing. I don't remember the exact wording anymore, but I basically told her that I was trying to keep the line moving while not overwhelming the box stacking guy. She then told me that I didn't need to worry about him and just send the boxes. I shrugged my shoulders and said, okay. I then proceeded to send the boxes at regular speed with no regard for what was going on at the end. The tape machine went from working flawlessly to being jammed in a matter of minutes. My line lead then had to go and help fix the tape machine and help him catch up. Nothing changed after that sadly, but seeing my lead have to deal with a tape machine warms my heart every time I think about it. I like that you can just tell that OP's a good person trying to make things easier for the next guy. It's just bad managers. Also, hi, I'm Steven, and if you enjoy awesome stories of malicious compliance, why not hit that subscribe button down below? That said, our next story is... Be careful when you complain to Little Caesars. When I was in high school, I had a part-time job at Little Caesars working the register, handing pizzas to customers. It was in a rougher part of town, so there were plenty of scary or weird customer interactions. However, there's one that was intensely satisfying. On a random weekday, some woman came in and ordered a pizza with a wide variety of toppings, completely normal so far. She leaves and comes back 10 minutes later to pick up her pie and leaves. She comes back another 5 minutes later with the pizza, saying that the toppings fell off while she was trying to eat it, called us lazy and demanded that we remake it. I guess she'd never had a pizza before? So I take the pizza to the back, explain the situation to the guy making the pizzas, and tell them to put the toppings under the cheese. Little did I know this would create the most disgusting looking pizza I had ever witnessed. All of the sausage, veggies, pepperonis, and whatever else was completely covered by the cheese, but could be seen slightly because melted cheese is a little translucent. It looked like the cheese had subtly turned different colors of brown, green, and orange from grease underneath, and wasn't pretty and smooth like pizza usually is. It was lumpy like chunky throw up. It was absolutely vile and I was counting down the minutes for her to return. Pretty soon after the pie was finished, what I assumed to be her husband came inside to pick it up. As per standard procedure at my store, I opened the box to show him the final product. My creation. My monster. The poor man looked absolutely appalled and heartbroken. He asked me in a very disappointed voice, What did she say to you guys? And I simply explained to him that because the pizza's toppings fell off when she tried to eat it, we simply put them under the cheese. He just apologized and left with the pie. Not gonna lie, I kind of wish the woman had picked it up, because I'm sure we would have gotten a better reaction, but it still warms my heart to know that she probably ate it. I just love the fact that the husband was clearly not too surprised by the fact that this happened. Our next story is, you will address me by my new name. I once worked for the second most toxic man I have ever known. This was a small business of him, the owner, myself, and my long-suffering colleague. So he was in complete control with no one to report to. 
My boss was an absolute man-child who would launch into hours-long absolute poop fits of pants-soiling fury over the smallest inconvenience, and then, as soon as his problem was solved, would act frustrated and sulky that we weren't all celebrating his victory. He would have these tantrums several times a week. Our shop was on a high street. I felt bad for our business neighbors having to put up with it. It's only now, years later, I remember we had student flats above us as well. When my boss wasn't risking detonating his own nads into a fine red mist of rage, he was otherwise insufferable. He would also frequently get hyper and giddy and make fun of us, lost in a fit of giggles while calling us nonces, or he would decide that some new form of honors should be bestowed on him like we should be made to call him Sir or Master or Darth. Seriously, imagine a man that has never in his life held a stick or pole without swinging it around making lightsaber noises. One day, he decides that we are to call him Daddy Cool. We argue and resist, and for oh freak's sake at him, but he is insistent that we are all to refer to him henceforth as Daddy Cool. I step away from the insanity to take my lunch in the basement. I chill a little and my own anger settles to weary resignation. Dangerous, perilous, weary resignation. I climb the steps from the basement. I burst through the door and bellow in my stage voice, Daddy Cool. Customers are in the shop being tended to by my boss. I ignore them. My colleague crumples into hysterics, gasping, oh my god, between breaths. We've run out of XYZ, Daddy Cool. We should order some of UVW also, Daddy Cool. I address him as Daddy Cool for days until he's like, okay, alright, that's enough. Actually, no. I continue to refer to him as Daddy Cool, well beyond him begging me to stop and several more times as necessary over the years when a reminder is necessary. All I can say is, Daddy Cool asked for it. This next story is, crew did as they were told and were fired by short-sighted manager. This goes back at least 25 years, so late 90s? I worked for a now-defunct deep discount chain in Florida. I got a position on third shift doing night stock. The crew was small, only about five to six of us. We had a good time. We would talk to each other across aisles, crack jokes to a video that played constantly in a corner, and make the best of it. Our supervisor was a complete power tripper. I hadn't worked there very long, but even in the short time I was there, I could see the crew leader wasn't a reasonable dude. During one shift, we were all clocking out for lunch break. As we went in to punch the clock, we were told, Don't punch back in if you're going to continue talking. Okay, we didn't. We did just sit around the front of the store talking until the manager came in for the day. Store manager got there. I can't remember if an assistant arrived first. We gave him the quick lowdown. We were told not to punch in if we were going to talk, so we didn't. He simply fired everybody on the spot. Being new, I asked for my job back and got it. The crew leader stayed and maybe one other. I think new people were brought in. It wasn't until some time later that the lead was demoted and replaced by me. He quit soon after that. It was clear that as a crew, we all worked better when he wasn't there. This next story is, don't make others uncomfortable? About 10 years ago, I worked in a team of scientists, which is almost enough to drop the mic right here, when one day our boss told me others perceive me as contemptuous. I was shocked beyond words. 
I certainly didn't feel superior or feel contempt for anyone. I was so flabbergasted, I was silent for probably two solid minutes. I asked for an example of when something I had said or done gave someone that feeling. He said he couldn't divulge that information. Okay. Then I asked for an example he had experienced or observed himself. He said he had none. I said, since I have no clue what I've done, how am I supposed to adjust my behavior? He said he didn't know. I said, basically then, I just need to not talk? He said he wasn't sure. I knew right then what to do. I'm pretty introverted, and as a child, I didn't talk for years. I rarely spoke until I was about 13 years old. Got lots of notes from teachers about how quiet I was. I would answer questions when directly asked, but rarely spoke otherwise. So my malicious compliance in this situation was easy for me. I just stopped talking except when asked a question. I made a point of smiling, showing I was listening, nodding agreement, etc. I was extremely polite and agreeable. Pretty soon some big issues came up that I had specific knowledge about. I knew how to solve them, but no one else asked. A huge conflict came up between two of our labs because one group wanted it one way and the other group had a different opinion. They fought and fought. People were having secret meetings in their offices trying to win. And when they finally arrived at the action they chose, it was wrong. In fact, both groups were wrong and the whole experiment failed. It's important to know that no one was hurt, no property damage or anything like that, just a lot of wasted time and expense on materials, but I never said a word. This went on for three weeks. The lab's budget had to be revised. They had to cut travel expenses, which I was okay with, because I didn't want to travel anyway. So, no conferences for anyone. This is a big deal for a lot of researchers because it's how we gain notoriety to be able to get grants, among other things. Finally, a colleague asked me why I hadn't spoken for so long why I was so quiet. Was something wrong? I explained about being told others perceive me as contemptuous. She had the same expression I did when I was told. She said she didn't believe anyone had said that about me. I honestly was surprised again because I believed our boss. Then she asked me what I thought about the experiment design and why it was failing. I told her about the solution I believed would work, which was actually surprisingly simple. She recognized it had a good chance of succeeding and asked me to share the idea at the next department meeting. At that meeting, she asked me again in front of everyone, and I repeated what I told her. Several people asked why I hadn't spoken up sooner. I explained that I'd been given feedback that indicated I caused others to feel uncomfortable. The whole table of colleagues also looked stunned at me. I said I was committed to not causing such bad feelings and couldn't figure out how to communicate because the feedback didn't give me any specific guidance. Everyone looked at the director at that point, and he said, We shouldn't discuss personnel issues. Ha! It was my issue, so I said, If anyone here perceives me as contemptuous and said as much to our boss, that's the reason I haven't been talking. If you don't feel that way about me, let me know and I'll stop being silent. Someone else said that we need to hold a vote so there wouldn't be any more confusion or talking behind anyone's back. They voted 100% for me to talk normally and that they didn't agree that I was ever contemptuous. That director slowly stopped coming to work, month by month after this episode, until he was only showing up one day a week. Finally, he took a lab position elsewhere and one of my colleagues was promoted to director. 
and the experiment was a success. The next year I got a grant to keep the research going and paid for two people to be able to travel to the related conference to present our findings. I just really resonate with this story because I was exactly the same kid in school. If you told me to shut up and be quiet, I probably wouldn't have much trouble doing so. That said, our final story of the day is, cooks should know not to mess with the cook. I was on base, working the sandwich bar in the dining facility. I had a long line of customers, because when I worked at the sandwich bar, I added way more food than I was supposed to. As I'm rushing to get the soldiers in and out, I get a female sergeant and she informs me that she's a cook for the other dining facility on base. Naive me thinks she's trying to be friendly, but instead she walks over to the utensil rack, takes a fork, brings it to me, and in her most Karen and loud voice says, so I know you're supposed to use a fork to grab the deli meat. She's not wrong, I was using my gloved hands like they do at the restaurant because it's really hard to get the tightly packed deli meat separated, and I'm trying to work faster so I don't get in trouble for having a long line. Even though she was right about the rule, I was still upset with her because of the way she said it. She cared more about putting me down than the actual rule. Proof. First of all, it's unsanitary for me to use a fork that she touched with her dirty hands. She knows that, but I do it anyways because she's a sergeant. The first slice of meat separates perfectly and I put it on her sandwich, but that second slice is married to the next one and will not budge. So now I'm scraping at the meat and it starts to shred. She gets frustrated, but I'm loving it. As I shred the meat some more, she barks at me to just put both slices on her sandwich, to which I reply, sorry, I can't do that. As you know, the rules are only two slices of meat per sandwich. I never followed that rule, which is why I had a long line of customers. Once the meat is completely shredded, it finally separates. I figured no reason to stop there, and I made her the ugliest sandwich possible. It was so bad that when I looked at the next sergeant in line, he held up his hands in surrender and quietly said, You can use your hands for my sandwich. If you want one slice of thinly sliced meat, a fork is not going to cut it. Maybe you'd be able to do it with like a butter knife if you like wedge under there and lift up and hope it doesn't slide off, but otherwise it's just about as effective as eating soup with a fork. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now if you want to hear another awesome malicious compliance story, check out that video on the left. Or if you missed my latest video, check out that video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.